This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Peter Grams, Chief Digital Officer at Mar Labs. The scientists didn't actually know how their machines were able to learn. That while they programmed them and put the algorithms together and, and put it all together, they didn't fully understand how that transformation was happening and the machines were getting smarter. Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. As Chief Digital Officer, Peter is responsible for all the digital initiatives at Mar Labs, including the digital practice, which he covers AI, Internet of Things, Big Data, and Salesforce.com. This includes new business development and marketing, as well as delivery assurance and support. Main focus areas include supporting the digital enterprise, digital transformation, and helping clients achieve greater business value through the emerging digital technologies. Peter, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you. Hey, Jordan. Thank you. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. And I'm really excited to dig in. What I like to do is start with your origin story to really understand what makes you tick and shapes your perspective for these insights we're about to dig into. So me personally, like I'm really passionate about learning how and why things work. That's kind of that entrepreneurial drive in me. And then seeing how these insights solve real problems for people and then how really mobile technology can enable the solution of these problems on a global scale. So Peter, for you, what are you most passionate about in your profession and why? I think the thing that really makes me go is helping my customers and delivering something that is going to help their business. And that usually is is something hard to do. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. So leveraging technology, especially the new technologies that are out there and putting together the puzzle of the people, the process, the technology, and coming up with a solution that helps make my clients' lives better and their, their business work better. At the end of the day, it, it just is exciting to see that happen. Have you heard of the show The Profit by chance? Yes, I think yeah. so. So the people process technology is kind of an, an interesting spinoff of that because Marcus Lemos is people process product. So it's, mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah, so digging into some of this process that you take and definitely interested to dig into some of the clients you work with and that process you go through. You know, maybe leading up to your position right now as the chief digital officer, it might be interesting to know a little bit more about the path that you took to get here. So coming from college and being focused on law and politics to now being in a CDO role, can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? I'm in a really different place than I, than I started out from. So I grew up in a Washington, D.C. area, growing up with politics and, and everything. Worked on Capitol Hill going through college. Wanted to go to law school and maybe go into politics. But when I got my first full-time job working in Congress for a congressman, turned out this fellow wasn't all that great. And what they were doing actually wasn't all that great. And as a young kid out of college, basically, I was asked to be breaking the law, doing doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And, and I just thought, you know, at this young age, I, I shouldn't be going down that path. And so basically left that and was fortunate enough that the 
father of a good friend of mine was starting up a solar energy company. It was in photovoltaics, solar electricity, the solar panels you see on, on houses now. And he was really a founder in that area. And I found out that business was a, a lot more exciting, a lot more ethical. But my problem was coming from a political science major and medieval history minor was was not a great lead into <laughs> business success. So I decided to go to business school, was fortunate enough to get into a good school, the Wharton School. And I majored in finance because Wharton was great for finance, not so good for IT, but I knew I wanted to get into the IT sector. I had always been fascinated by that. My father was one of those tinkerers that would go to Radio Shack and buy the bits and bytes and put together his own computer. So I was able to start out with the boutique IT services company out of college, found out that that, that was my passion and have stuck with it ever since. See, that progression makes sense. And to have really that influence from your father in, in that environment growing up to really help that birth into technology. Where you're at now, for those of us that maybe don't know about Mar Labs, can you give us a quick description of who you guys are and what you do? Sure. Mar Labs is headquartered uh, here in New Jersey, about 2,200 resources, about half of them here at client sites in the U.S., the other half at our development centers in India. We're an IT services and consulting firm specializing in application support and, and the chief digital officer responsible for all of our digital offerings around artificial intelligence, IoT, big data, Salesforce, decision sciences, data sciences, and the like. And so with these focuses, you know, how are you wanting to make an impact? Like, what are you doing week by week, quarterly to really push the envelope? I'm really fortunate to have this position. I've always liked to be at the leading area of technology. And, and right now, digital is just exploding on the economy, uh, on industry. Basically, you know, in our company, the, the, the kind of joke is that everything we do is digital. There isn't much out there in IT that isn't centered around the digital domain, but amount of real change that is coming through is in incredible. I look at it as what I call the perfect storm coming together, the perfect storm in a good way. So on, on the one hand, you have big data, all this data being created. And a lot of it is from mobile devices. There's a study out there. I think this is a McKinsey study that says by 2025, up to 50% of retail purchases are going to be made from mobile devices. And that by 2025, there will be as many as, and some people think this is conservative, 80 billion connected devices. That's eight or nine or 10 devices per person on this planet. And each one of those is just creating a huge stream of data about the person who owns the device, about what they're doing, their transactions, their likes, their dislikes, who they're connected to. And the key to this is making sense of all that data. Mm -hmm. The next piece of the, the storm is the, the technology that throughout my career, it's always been a struggle, a love-hate relationship with technology. It's a thing that helped you, but it's all, it was difficult to use. It was costly, expensive, error-prone. But we've gotten to a point where the digital technologies, the AI capabilities, the APIs, the connectors have really matured to a point where they're starting to work together a lot more seamlessly. Projects don't take months or years, they take weeks or months and start to produce real, real results and high value for clients. And, and the third piece is that whereas in the past people would look at data 
as sort of a tactical nuisance to manage, they now realize that it is a strategic asset that if you can leverage that data and start to unlock the value that's in that data, you can provide a, a real benefit. You can start to understand your customers. You can start to help them with their buying choices, have a better experience, more ease of use. Mm-hmm. So these three things together are really driving just a totally different experience in IT. And I think the future of it is we're, we're going to see benefits all around in our daily lives. So I kind of want to reiterate those because it sounds like that's definitely something significant to be aware of as far as people planning on when to start investing into this or if they are, to what extent. You know, So to reiterate, you have big data is proliferating and growing at a huge rate. You have technology has matured to a point that it's really more approachable. And then brands have reached this point of maturation where they no longer see data as that you know, nuisance or tactical element that you said, but rather a strategic component for their business. Right. So is there anything that you want to add to that? I think we're really on the cusp of this. So you're seeing, at least with our clients, when we go out and talk to them about what they can do with AI, artificial intelligence, there's a lot of recognition of what it is. They've seen the, the commercials and heard about it, but they actually haven't been approached. They don't quite know how to, how to work with it. So, but typically any major company out there is grappling with big data, that they have huge data sets that they've been creating. Uh, they're starting to, to put them in a manageable environment and data lakes and Hadoop and, and the like. And so now they're trying to understand how do we make sense of this? How can we start leveraging this and, and getting out those tidbits of insights that are locked in the data, but we know are there that can uh, help our business. So you mentioned, you know, people want to know how to work with it. And something that I think I want to better understand is some of these use cases, because you can really use big data and AI for really all facets of business, right? Both customer and internal facing and helping enable more sales to better product creation and delivery and like even internal modernization. So I guess my question is, you know, what are some of the latest effective use cases for the combination of big data and AI that you're seeing? So you actually put your finger on it. The use cases abound. They're, they're all around us. So mm-hmm. in retail, it's to help understand the customer experience and what are the customers interested in, what types of products, what kind of services, what kind of user experience. And when it really gets rich is when you can start predicting. So you know that when someone calls up, here are the interactions we've had before, here are the types of experiences, here are the things that they're interested in. So you can have a conversation about what they're interested in, not trying to promote just a random set of things. In financial services, fraud detection. So obviously a lot of fraud and credit cards and banking. So to start looking at patterns and all the data and card usage and purchases and geographic behavior. And instead of waiting for a fraud to happen, predicting it and preventing it. And so stopping those, those things from happening in medicine, in entertainment, in auto manufacturing, just about every facet of a business uh, where you have large data. That's really key to it. You have to be able to know about the transactions, about the customers, about what's going on. And once you have that, applying it to the algorithms, you can start making better decisions and, again, make, uh, you know, make the experience better for your customer. And those couple of examples that you mentioned there in retail and the financial industry, 
they seem to be customer facing. Are you noticing that maybe the big data usage and the artificial intelligence implementation are being more on the customer side of things or equally on the internal modernization side of things? Yeah, I think it could be on either side. I mean, I having to take a more customer facing stand is where there are more exciting things going on and, and where you can do more. But again, wherever you have large sets of operational data about performance, about metrics, you can ex- start applying AI and make better internal efficiencies and optimization decisions. So on that customer facing side, then for the performance, I mean, performance can be you know anything. So I guess when you're harvesting data, or at least when you're seeing the application of big data and artificial intelligence, are you seeing it on that customer facing side be more for sales enablement for the actual product, whether it's creation or delivery, or more so the delivery and the, like the internal logistics of supplying it? So I think right now, because of our clients or a lot of service oriented clients, we're seeing it on the customer facing side, but it's equally good on product development and understanding customer sentiment and applying that to product development or on operational efficiency, understanding which processes work best, where you have problems. In IoT, which is a great application of AI, you're attaching sensors to devices, could be a wind farm or uh, oil pipelines, aircraft engines, and taking you know all these streams of data about uh, performance and using that to start predicting where there could be performance issues with you know looking at the patterns and instead of waiting for uh, a problem to happen through the predictive analytics using that to perform maintenance and, and there was one airline that on their fleet of like 12 jumbo jets was able to add you know 11 flying days per year per jet which is a huge bottom line uh, benefit I see. So it sounds like more of this data analysis is coming from actual customer use of that service or product. Is that right? Yes. It's about collecting the data in fashion so that you can start applying the higher level analytics and AI to it. It all comes back to just having big data and then starting to make sense of it. And so now to the application of that insight, are you seeing it most geared toward improving the use of the product? Or are you seeing it more used in other areas of the business? I really think we're at the beginning of this trend. Some firms out there who are ahead of the curve and been able to apply big data and analytics to their business are already using it. G in their predicts platform, we've seen how they apply it to the aviation industry. But for a large part, people are just beginning to understand the opportunity that's out there. So I think we're just beginning to see this as time goes on it's going to be pervasive that the technology is approachable it's not that hard to implement actually one of the problems we're running into is a shortage of data scientists it's a very sophisticated area of technology and not a lot of practitioners out there it's probably one of the things that will hold this back but as time goes on and we get more practitioners out there i think every company is going to be leveraging it uh, across the business from production to product development to sales and marketing customer experience across the value chain got it that makes sense so is it that we maybe don't quite know the best use of it because it can be applied everywhere right and so we're still trying to figure out where to start yep exactly so it's going to go to the core to business for financial services it's how they can better deliver their 
core services, whether it's retail banking or investment uh, across any services firm that is serving customers, how they can better understand their customer base and provide them with a, a better experience in manufacturing. It'll be to having improve and optimize the whole manufacturing value chain and connect better with their suppliers and their B2B sources. In medicine, one of the things we talk about in Internet of Things is that people can ultimately be the things that applying sensors well, step back. So right right now, someone is in a hospital, they will have sensors to track basic function, heart and temperature and such, but they don't do anything until they have a, something happen. Someone has an event. If you start to collect data about that person, understand what are the predictors of an event, then prior to someone having something serious happen, the artificial intelligence can warn that, you know, there's an 80% probability that within two days, this person will have some kind of event and I'll stop it before it happens. So it's, it's the possibilities are really limitless. And I think we'll, we'll start to see that. You think about it, that there's some services that just aren't, it's not going to apply to like, uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, you think in a restaurant, okay, you're not going to replace a, a waiter or a waitress, right? You know, someone's got to, got to be there in front of you, but now you go to the airport and, and what do you have? You have a little pad where you can order your food and pay for it. And you just see a person when they actually just bring the food and take away the plates. It's mm. <laughs> crazy. I think that that's one of the scary things about this is the impact that it will have on society. Cause as mm-hmm. we go through technological change, the way we're set up starts to change. And so as, as AI functions start to take the place of, of human functions, there's going to be some displacement and some change. You know, it's going to be some job turnover and, and some people whose job is going to be done by basically a, a robot. That's something that could be a difficult impact to absorb. And I think it might be helpful to dig into maybe like a specific example or use case to maybe really drill into what are some of these critical challenges that clients are facing where they're using big data and artificial intelligence to solve? Can you maybe think of like a specific example of a client that has a specific friction point in some sort of, you know, along their value chain or some sort of critical challenge they're trying to solve with the use of big data? One of the biggest use cases we're seeing is in financial services, fraud detection. We all know about the huge cost that fraud can take on individuals and banks and retail establishments when there is a subject to fraud. So there's a, a huge amount of interest in applying these capabilities to the data about customer behavior and uh, financial transactions. And instead of waiting for a fraud event to happen, to be able to predict that and stop it and cease it, before we have an impact. So that's a huge area, a lot of interest uh, across banking, credit card, retail, the whole security area, the amount of hacking and illegal activity. And so again, being proactive and predictive instead of reactive is just a, is a huge element out there. Right. Cause that's what billions of dollars of impact right there. Probably trillions. Trillions. Wow. Yeah. Trillions. Yeah. It's enormous. So mobile devices, you know, are essentially used to harvest this data now. Everyone's got a phone in their pocket. And you mentioned, you know, the 80 billion connected devices here in, you know, 2025 by the McKinsey study. So 
molding this interface to how we're benefiting from the use of big data and AI, how is this evolution and this perfect storm affecting how we engage through mobile devices? Well, hopefully the end result is going to be better engagement because the mobile devices create this huge data stream. And, you know, some people worry about the privacy implications. And, you know, I think there's some real things there that we need to manage and and make sure we're addressing. But otherwise, as you're on your mobile device, where you're going, what apps you're using, what activities, what purchases, what likes and dislikes who you interact with can start to be compiled as long as you're you know, agreeable to it so that it can point you in, in ways where you're interested. Uh, the thing I like to think about is, you know, do you want to see an ad for toenail fungus or do you want to see an ad for a good hotel, hotel deal in the place you're going to be going for a vacation? You want to know about things you're interested in, not just random sets of advertisements and promotions. So, you know, helping to cut through the noise and start to provide information that is helpful and fun for you rather than just random. Yeah. So I guess what's the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out? I think the coolest thing is is what we call M-Advisor. It's our AI platform that basically is pulled together the different piece parts, the, the algorithms, the APIs, the big data intake and in a relatively short amount of time, can produce uh, useful information from specific use cases. In a, a couple of weeks, we can show a client insights that are locked up in their data. And, it, and it's just fascinating that the complexity is happening behind the scenes. One of the studies that I, I saw not too long ago from one of the you know, big institutions, MIT or something, they interviewed uh, a number of data scientists about their AI robots and how they worked. And the revelation was, in the end, the scientists didn't actually know how their machines were able to learn. That while they programmed them and put the algorithms together and and put it all together, they didn't fully understand how that transformation was happening and the machines were getting smarter based on on the data. And that starts to get a little scary. Hmm. That is really weird and interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I can send you the article. Yeah, please do. That'd be great. And then I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so everyone can check that out. If we wanted to keep tabs on your work, Peter, where do you suggest we go? To marlabs.com. Marlabs.com. So that's M-A-R-L-A-B-S, correct? Dot com? Yes. Yes. All right. There you have it. Make sure to go to marlabs.com to keep an eye on Peter's work. And also make sure to tune in this Friday for a rapid fire round where Peter will be sharing some of his most valuable resources. Well, Peter, thanks for joining us today. And it was a pleasure to have you on. And thanks for sharing, you know, some of what you're up to at Mar Labs and some of the focuses and changes that you're seeing from the big data standpoint. It's really insightful to get that from someone who's been in it as long as you have and, and have that purview you have. So again, thank you for spending some time with us today. Great. You bet, Jordan. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Hey, thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in this Friday for this week's guest resources from our rapid fire question round. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit emergemobilefirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.